0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the second day of January in 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside on a beautiful, sunny day in Palo Alto, California. The birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, And just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Well, it's still 2017. It's still a new year. And I, so far, have made it through every day of this year with a new podcast. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed the video podcast I posted on New Year's Day for the Suffering Index. It was a fun one to do. Obviously, I didn't shoot that on New Year's Day. Uh, I, I shot that a few weeks ago and, and had some fun assembling that. And, you know, it's, it's another thing like who owns baseball, which is an idle thought that turned into me trying to finish something and, and come up with a calculation. And, and I, you know, I, I hope you take it for what it is. I, it's, I, Did the spreadsheet and I made the calculations and I look at the suffering index for each team, and I'm going to have fun calculating at the end of next year. But but also, though, there 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 is a level of of tongue in cheek. I don't don't same with who owns baseball. So so understand. While I took the time to follow through on it and to to make it a real you know make it look and feel like a real stat. Um, and, and maybe you may be able to argue with pieces on it, especially with the, the curveball I threw at the end saying, you know, are we going to count all of Washington baseball? Or are we going to count only the Nationals? You know, take it for what it is. Take it with everything it is. I take this podcast seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. Do you understand what I mean by that? Like, I, 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 I work, I want this to be good. But I don't find it to be a self-important thing. I want it to be fun. Even when I talk about things that are serious. You know, we talked with you know, Vanessa Ivy Rose about race. I've talked about politics. I've talked about things that, that have tried to tie baseball into it. But, but t- take everything with a little bit of tongue firmly planted in the proverbial cheek. Now, here we are. One of the things that I was bringing up the idea of the Suffering Index is that when a team wins a World Series, when a team has their year, it's sort of that year becomes the the property of that team in a way. Do you understand what I mean? Like, Cub fans always look at 2016, or Royals fans always look at 2015. You know, we Red Sox fans have the Boston Strong memories of the 2013 World Series, and Cardinal fans will always remember the amazing 2011 World Series against the Rangers. Now, there's sometimes, however, that years don't exist in the proverbial vacuum. Notice I didn't mention the San Francisco Giants in that uh, in that list of recent champions, because I really feel, at least with Giant fans, that t- 2010, 2012, and 2014 Act as kind of a unit. Many of the same players played in all those series. Lincecum played in all those World Series. Sandoval played in all those World Series. Posey, Baumgartner, uh, uh, Sergio Romo. There were many players who played in all of those uh, World Series, and many played in two of the, you know, like there, there was a lot of crossover. Very few people only appeared in one of those World Series. They, there was a lot of time, you know, Travis Chicago hits the big home run. In the 2014 playoffs, he was also part of the 2010 team. So there's a lot of, you know, back and forth, a lot of crossover. So I think in a lot of Giant fans' minds, those titles operate as one gigantic, wonderful period. I know for a fact there are Yankee fans who... Have trouble remembering the specifics of 98, 99, 2000. They just remember, they remember the main specifics of the 1996 World Championship, but then think of those four championships in five years like it's one giant unit. And it's one of the things that makes it great. I mean, sure, the same thing you could say about, like, in other sports, like, you know, like in basketball, the, the six titles won by the Michael Jordan Bulls, you don't think of, oh, well, when I think I'm 92, I think of the Bulls. No, when you think of that era, you think of that as a gigantic multi-year dominance by a team. So you could have compounded years. You could have compounded... Uh, ownership of a period of time. Now, I was thinking about this because I was watching an NBA game. I was watching the game between the Warriors and the Cavaliers. Now, the NBA is my second favorite sport. I I, I used to be a rabid NBA fan. Now, I really decided I'm going to either Casually follow every sport or pick one sport to follow really intensely. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think I've picked the sport of baseball to follow kind of intensely. But I do enjoy the NBA, and I do enjoy the NBA Finals. Now, last year, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers won a thrilling Game 7 victory over the Golden State Warriors. In the year before that, the Golden State Warriors defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, barring a big upset... I think it looks like the NBA Finals is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Golden State Warriors. Again, kind of like, uh, you know, best two out of three. And so, you know, barring a big upset, we're looking at that. And I started thinking about that it will seem like when we look back at this stretch of time in the NBA that these few years will be the possession of the Steph Curry Warriors and the LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers. And both teams have won at least one. Kind of similar, I mean, I know it's sacrilege to say stuff like this, but it's kind of similar to when uh, there was the Jordan Bulls played the Stockton Malone Jazz back-to-back years, or all those years when it was the, the Lakers and the Celtics you know, between you know, Bird and Magic, but also the Lakers versus the uh, back-to-back years against the Isaiah Thomas Pistons. Those are years where the ownership becomes compounded, but it becomes truly interesting when you have teams that face off and you have rematches in a championship. We've already had, as I said, we already had that in the NBA. And it's one of the things that made it thrilling. You had the, a few years ago, we had the Spurs and the Heat having back-to-back, you know, they they faced off in the NBA finals in back-to-back years. And now we've had the, uh, the Cavaliers and the uh, Warriors facing off in back-to-back years. And that's really, that's a tremendous, that's really wonderful when you can have that. And you can have those, the, Those teams face off I took a look at the teams Going into baseball Now it's very hard to figure out You know, it's very difficult To to win back-to-back pennants The Royals did recently But, you know, all the terrific Red Sox Teams, all the terrific Giants teams All the strong Cardinal teams We've seen recently It's been very hard to see teams win Back-to-back pennants You saw the Royals, as I said Texas Rangers did at the beginning of this decade and the Philadelphia Phillies did at the end of the 2000s. But it's rare to see a team get into back-to-back World Series. It's a gauntlet you have to run, and there are factors in baseball that you don't have to factor in in a sport like basketball. You know, the pitching matchups, for example. You know, know, it's not like, well, LeBron's pitching today, but he's not going to pitch tomorrow. No, you have basically the same teams facing off in a best of seven series, each day. It's imagine if you have Bumgarner pitching against Kershaw seven straight games, and each time they're at full strength. So the factors of who has a good game as a pitcher, who is hurt, who are pitching matchups line up, and everything like that kind of make it difficult for teams to repeat. It's really hard to repeat. Some really terrific teams haven't repeated. But to have The same teams face off in the World Series for a proverbial rematch. Man, that's that's really hard. That's a really, really hard thing. I mean, and, you know, we haven't seen that in a while. It's been a very, it's a rare thing. But you look at the Chicago Cubs, and the Chicago Cubs, yes, they lost Dexter Fowler, but I think they are in very, very good shape. Moving forward, they're going to have a strong bullpen. They still have a good rotation. They obviously have an outstanding lineup. And they have the pressure of, are we ever going to win the World Series, taken off of their shoulders. Now, I think they have a wonderful chance of repeating as the National League champion. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Indians, holy tomatoes, they've added Edwin Encarnacion, a legit right-handed masher, to a lineup that was already pretty good. If they get Salazar and Carrasco back, and Kluber can pitch anywhere close to what he did this last year, which I think he probably should have won the Cy Young Award, and their bullpen stays intact, look at the Red Sox are going to be very good this year. The Rangers are going to be very good this year. The American League has a little more parity than others. But I really think if you take a look at it, I, I think the Indians have as good a chance as anyone to win the American League pennant this year I think they may even be stronger than the Red Sox and the Rangers and so if that happens and we had this wonderful World Series that concluded in the spectacular Game 7 finale that's so close for the Indians one swing away from winning the World Series as I said, if they got a home run in the bottom of the ninth, or if Martinez hit a home run in the bottom of the 10th Uh, the curse of the Billy Goat would still be alive for Cub fans. But there is the possibility of back-to-back pennants and to have repeat pennant winners for the first time in a while. Now, there have been teams that, man, when you think about, like, The Yankees and the Braves were both dominant in the mid-1990s, and they had the amazing 1996 World Series, and they faced off again in 1999. But that wasn't in back-to-back seasons. And then the Toronto Blue Jays won their back-to-back pennants right around the time that the Braves became dominant. But the Braves couldn't win that second pennant in 1993. That was, it looked like, for sure, we were going to have a Blue Jays-Braves rematch in 1993, but turned to Blue Jays-Phillies, which led to the Joe Carter home run. So think about all those teams that have won multiple pennants and have been really terrific over the years, but to have back-to-back, to have a World Series matchup being back-to-back years is rare? How rare? It hasn't happened in the 2010s, it didn't happen in the 2000s, it didn't happen in the 1990s, and it didn't happen in the 1980s. We haven't had back-to-back years of the same pennant winners since 1977 and 1978, when the Yankees won two straight years over the LA Dodgers. And think of how close that came to not coming true. The Yankees were three outs away from losing the pennant to the Royals in 1977, and of course they lost the one-game Bucky Dent, or they won the one-game Bucky Dent game against the Red Sox for the American League East. Meanwhile, the Phillies damn nearly won against the uh, the Dodgers in 1977. I mean, that's how precarious that was then. Before that, it didn't happen once in the in the 60s either, despite all the great teams. You know there were great Yankee teams, great Dodger teams. Dodgers lost the uh, a NL pennant showdown in 1962, which would have you know that the was Yankees, Dodgers the next year. We had the I mean you go through the times that you've had the same teams play in back to back World Series. Uh, the Yankees, Dodgers I mentioned in 1977, 78. Yankees and the Milwaukee Braves in 1957-1958. Both of them were seven-game series. Yankees and the Dodgers in 55 and 56. Dodgers won 55. The Don Larson series, 56. Yankees and Dodgers again in 52 and 53. Now, there you had the Yankees and the Dodgers facing off four out of five years between 1952 and 1956. The one repeat reprieve was 1954 when the Indians and the Giants played in the World Series, uh, Yankees and Cardinals 42 and 43, Yankees and the Giants in 36 and 37. A plane's flying overhead. I'm not going to cut that out. The Philadelphia A's and the Cardinals in 1930 and 31, the Yankees and the Giants in 1921, 22 and 23. Remember, I went to the Polo Grounds, and I pointed out there was those two years where the entire World Series was played in the Polo Grounds, uh, and then the Cubs. Wow, the Cubs beat the Tigers in back-to-back years in 1907 and 1908. So it, you only had, the only time in baseball history that two teams faced off in the World Series three consecutive years was in 1921, 1922, and 1923 when the Yankees and the Giants played in each of the World Series. The World Series didn't even leave upper Manhattan except for a couple of games where it went across the river to the Bronx in 1923, over a three-year span. So you have a chance for Cleveland and Chicago to make this a compound legacy. And it would be really interesting if the Indians can come and win the World Series and defeat the Cubs to sort of have a rematch there. Now, I am getting incredibly ahead of myself. Obviously, there could be a ton of injuries. Obviously, you've seen there have been points when a team has won a World Series and without that fire to win it all, you see a letdown. I mean, how many times have you had teams which we think are going to be super teams fall short? Teams that on paper look like we're invincible. When the Philadelphia Phillies brought in Roy Halladay and the next year brought in Cliff Lee, it didn't even look fair. It looked like, oh my God, what are they doing? This is this is not fair what they're doing. When the Dodgers brought in Zach Grinke, it was like, oh my God, all the money they're spending, now they brought in Grinke. This is going to be, this is too much. And the Roy Halladay led Phillies, never made it to the World Series. The Kershaw-Grinke years never made it to the World Series. It's hard to make these predictions now. But with that being said, it's harder, standing here on a beautiful, sunny January day, to think of two teams that are better equipped for the gauntlet of the regular season and the postseason than the defending American League champion Cleveland Indians and the defending world champion Chicago Cubs. And with that in mind, we can look at a year. And remember last year, the Cubs lined up to be the world champs. To, they looked like they were going to be the world champs from the start. And everything lined up perfectly. And it worked out, even when they experienced injuries, even when they experienced slumps. You know, they lost Schwarber for most of the year, and they got a rotten year out of Jason Hayward, and they had inconsistency from their bullpen, and they still won it all. You know, the Cleveland Indians lost their entire outfield and lost two-thirds of their starting rotation, and they still nearly won it all. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Cleveland can come back and if everything can come together and if the desire to wipe out the stain of the previous loss in the World Series would be the same motivation that led the Kansas City Royals, who got to within one swing of winning the 2014 World Series, to go on their rampage that led to defeating the Mets for the 2015 title. Or to see what will happen with the Cubs as they decide, look at we've climbed up the mountain, we've made it to the top of Everest, Maybe we'll stay here. All those great Red Sox teams couldn't win back-to-back pennants. You know, it's, all the money spent by the Yankees has not seen back-to-back pennants since the early 2000s. It's hard to do, and yet it seems like these two teams might be equipped to do it. What a strange new century this has been. The Red Sox and Giants are the ones piling up the championships so fast that their fans are losing track of which one was which. And we have a chance to see the World Series become the personal playground of the Cubs of all teams with the Indians looking to add to the Cleveland championship pedigree of this decade. This is a wonderful turn of events that's happened in a beautifully unpredictable sports world. So we're going to continue this year and we're going to see, is this going to be a year of sole ownership or is this going to be a year of compound ownership? Sole ownership is, this is the title we've waited our whole year for, just mentioned this year and we start to beam, or is this compound where we say, yep. That was the number of years that my team was the best. We'll see. Hell, it's long enough to wait for the damn season to start. We gotta sit through the world baseball classic along the way. So go to Sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, have sort of on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the second day of January 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.